everyone. Thanks for checking out the Indie Handshake Wrestling Podcast. My name is Paul Ponte. I am joined today by Thunder Rosa. Hi. Nice little Indie Handshake for you there. How are we doing today? I am good. I just finished another podcast like 30 minutes ago, so I just had time to take a shower and actually put some makeup on. So you're <laughs> actually put makeup on. There you go. Uh you know, I, I, I'm really happy to have you on here. You know, you've a lot of buzz around Thunder Rosa, you know, the wrestler, the person. Boss is real. Exactly. Uh, as real as a, as a stomach shot to someone who's not cooperating in the ring. Anyway. <laughs> I was going to say, not really. I mean, I get those shots all the time in MMA just because I'm laying there. What's up? I was like, but let's start at the beginning. Uh, not too long ago, but you've had a crazy storied career already. Only, what, five years, six years in the business? Six. Six years, yeah. Six years in the business. Already wrestled all over the place, different countries, internationally. So, But I wanted to know how the love of wrestling started, and more importantly to me, how you discovered the wonderful world of independent wrestling. Listen, man, so I was a little child. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it didn't start like that. Um... It just happened. Wrestling happened for me. Just it was there, and uh, it was like that girlfriend that you know the the first time you see it, and you're like, she's gonna, I'm gonna marry her. You know, it was kind of like wrestling for me. It was. It wasn't like I'm gonna be a wrestler, but it was like I dig this thing. You know, I dig this uh, craziness. And um, uh, my first show live, I was 18. I saw something in Mexico in Tijuana. I went to see Lucha Libre. And what I like, it was the fact that I could be vulgar. I could just be like yelling at the the, the wrestlers and the wrestlers were just like fighting in there. And you're like, yeah, chinga tu madre. And like, you're like getting into it and people are like throwing food and stuff. And you come, you just come home and you just feel so much better about yourself because you yell at somebody <laughs> else. So that was like my first experience with professional wrestling. And then um, uh, once I was like, I don't know. In 1920, my husband was into WWE and um, uh, one of his friends had tickets for WrestleMania 25. I honestly didn't even know what WrestleMania was. And they're like, you guys want to come? And I was like, and I told my, my husband, was like, hey, you want to go to WrestleMania? I was like, what is that? It's like, that's a big show and it's going to be fun. And then his friend got us tickets for like all access, the Hall of Fame and everything. Dude, I was like literally sitting there. I didn't know no, nobody. I, I remember that time I liked Randy Orton. I thought he was really cute and that was really cool um and then I, I i watched wrestlemania 25 in houston so i was like with a big big event and then when i really got like really fell in love with wrestling was when i was like 24 25 out of college uh we used to go to hood slam so it was like that whole aspect of again you can be yourself and completely wild and crazy and it was acceptable in that arena so i really enjoyed it but i think we went there before i actually started going to apw shows in hayward for like about a year and then we went to apw and i was like oh this is the serious indie wrestling oh okay and um and then i just got involved in that yeah, I had Dark Sheik on here uh, recently and she was talking about like she never wanted hood slam to be anything like anything else basically and so I like that your first like three experiences was like Lucha Libre, then the super polished world of WrestleMania, and then like Hood Slam. Like those, those are what a great like 
uh, gamut of different styles to be exposed to immediately. Well, yeah, I mean, because it's like every everything has their like different culture. Uh, at the Lucha Libre, you have your grandmas, your kids, the families. Everybody goes every Friday to the auditorio, and like, I, I mean, I mean, there's a, a couple fans in in San Diego. They live in San Diego, but they go to a lot of Lucha Libre shows in in, in Tijuana. And they bring, there's two sisters and they bring the mom and they're always drunk as hell. And they're so funny. They're just getting your face and everything. And at the end, they're like, no way. I miss you, man. When are you coming down? You know, it's like, they're like so cool. And it was like, I felt like when I was a fan, it was the same. I, I felt like it was the same um, camaraderie with like all the, with all the dudes and the girls that were like waiting for hours to get into hoods. I'm super early so we can get our spot, you know, um, so I really enjoy doing that part, the traveling, the meeting other people, going going to eat after the shows. And you create that, like, the groups and, and friends and friendships and stuff. So um, we met a lot of wonderful people, and, and it was really cool uh, that, uh, like, I, I, I got to experience that more than, like, you know, when I was little, I used to watch, like, WWE or, or – no, it was completely different. Yeah. You were, you were introduced to the cooler side of pro wrestling first. The the part the part that the part that you fall in love with first because like you know when you watch it on TV it's kind of like this is cool and that's great and all when you're a kid but when you're an adult when you realize you just really want to be involved in it somehow because of like the people you meet that's when it's like oh this is great I love this yeah so that's for me that that's what it was and uh, so you, when you decided you wanted to go ahead and actually become a wrestler uh, I just had Matt Carlos on here I know he had a little bit of a hand in the, the beginning of your career, but who else did? And uh, what did you find the transition from becoming a fan to becoming a wrestler was like? It was a lot of work, bro. <laughs> Not paid, by the way. <laughs> of course. Forever. The internship forever. Uh, it was a learning experience. Um, it was it was rough, like the first couple months, because people are like, who's this person? Like, why are they here? Like, what are, they, what are their intentions? Let's protect the business. I'm like, dude, I just, I'm going to pick up your clothes and put it on the cloth. Like, bye. Like, whatever. Like, I feel like a lot of the times when they didn't know who you were, they kind of treat you like shit. So uh, there was a lot of that in the in the back. Um, and then you got to be very careful what you say. Who do you talk to? Uh, then girlfriends get jealous, especially me being a woman, like girlfriends get jealous and like, uh. so um, yeah, it was, it was rough. And like, because it's not like I'm trying to get free tickets to get to a show. I mean, I'm actually doing work, like merch, putting the ring together. Um, I don't know, driving people to the, to the arenas. I mean, there's so many different things. Right. And, um, but a lot of people were like, ah, this person just want to get a free ride. You know, they're not serious about it. But then when they start seeing you, that you come every weekend or every other month to their shows and helping them, they're like, Oh no, they're serious. Um, so I think that's when I started doing my transition, especially when I was doing like green girl and stuff. Uh, uh, they really noticing like, oh, this girl was like putting the ring. Like he, she got here way before everybody to put the ring and just like get there and just to see some stuff, right? Like I used to do that a lot in Sacramento for SBW. Um, There's a lot of promotions that I did a lot of work and I never got booked, even when I was a worker already. So it was just like, <laughs> I, it's fine, <laughs> you know? That's the wrestling business. You know, it's, I, I find it with a lot of people on here, everyone, when, when you can help them, everyone's very like, Hey, aren't you great? And then the second, like you can't help them or they need to help you. They're like, 
oh, actually, uh, something else is going on over here. Bye. I'll see you later. Anyway, so that's wrestling, though. You know, that's that's kind of the way it is. But uh, the fun part, though, is you get to go work in a lot of places and you worked in Japan and all this stuff. So when you're starting out, you're familiar with the Lucha Libre style. You're familiar with American style. What's it like using those styles and then taking it to a place like Japan? Well, the first tour, I only knew American and I had to learn Lucha Libre as I was learning how to wrestle. So <laughs> I was, oh, you're Mexican. Oh, therefore you're a luchadora. And I'm like, excuse me, I'm an American wrestler. <laughs> I don't use a mask. That was, that yeah. was a, I was like, no, you gotta, you gotta do Lucha Libre. And I was like, all right, okay, I got you. So I learned it through um, a lot of stuff from uh, Starfire. She was one of my roommates in, in Stardom. And then Io Shirai, her style was very Lucha-like. Uh, she likes high-flying, high-impact, very crazy stuff. Um, so my, I learned how to be fearless at that point because either it was either I learned how to be like that or they were never going to bring me back. So you just do everything to be brought back. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was hard. It was hard doing the transition because I was always used to roll to the left, not to the right. So when I went to Japan, that's how you roll to the right. So I was like, cause I, I remember I was like, why are we doing like rolls to the left and rolls to the right? I mean, we were left. And then all of a sudden it just like, was like, Oh, cause people in other world and parts of the world, they use the right, not the left. So everything started clicking in. And that that's when I learned, you got to learn wrestling. You don't have to learn right or left. You got to learn wrestling. Wrestling is a, a, a universal language. Anybody speaks that. If you know how to write, uh, roll right, you know how to roll left. If you know how to do certain stuff, you know, it, it, it's, it's like that everywhere in the world. The only thing that changes is like the style of wrestling. Uh, so that's when like all those preconcept, preconceptions of professional wrestling, kind of like I put them on the side and I was like, I need to learn how to wrestle and how to work. That's the most important part. Yeah. And besides, you know, wrestling is obviously a physical thing. It is, it is a sport. You you're putting your body through hell, especially in the beginning, bumping and all that, but wrestling is also super creative. So when you learn, you know, going into it, Oh, like putting together matches, psychology, all that stuff. What was your learning curve like for that? And what did you think about now you're learning, now you basically, you know, force feeding yourself to learn different styles. And now you got to learn different forms of psychology in that way adapt to where you work right if you work a lucha show you can't i mean you can definitely put a american style match together but everybody's gonna be like Otra lucha they're not gonna like what you're putting together unless it's like really physical or you're like being really funny or your character is just like like on on top with japanese there it's it's so weird like the like when i went there i was like what like you do what like it's what so it was like high spot though. like what high spot what like you mean come like you, you know, it was like a lot of like stuff that you had to learn like right away because you got to work their style right unless otherwise but um but once you get used to it you go to different places and i was like all right this is gonna be the style that i'm gonna work today then you work to another company this is the other style that i'm gonna work on today but it took me took me a while like about two or three years after i went to japan and went to mexico because you get all confused and then you like start seeing your matches like this makes no sense well this makes no sense and it's like oh well maybe i need to start using my american psychology on, on matches and and things will get a little bit better especially if you're working in america but again it depends on what kind of show you're working the crowd that you have and the results that you want to get 
And uh, when, when you're working different crowds, how does the crowd react differently in Japan versus Mexico versus the United States? Well, Japan, the Japanese depends. Like in stardom, like the, the, the fans were really quiet. Unless you were doing comedy, they will get into it. Uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro, they are very into it. They like to sing. They sing with you. They kind of like, if you have a gimmick thing, like they love that gimmick stuff. They, they love the, um, they love hard hitting and stuff. So it's different. And when there's a serious match, they're very, very quiet and, and observing. Um, and I like when they pop for like the big spots or whatever. I love that. Oh, and they start spotting. I was like, I remember when I was the first time. I was like, oh, okay, guys, I guess I'm doing right. Then, um, then in Mexico, it's just like free for all, man. Like people are wild out there. Like they throw beer. Like it was just crazy. There's like they like a lot of people like want they like to touch the wrestlers, and that's why you see a lot of like mm. um, videos of some wrestlers punching fans because they get out of line. Uh, but it's really fun. I love Mexico. Uh, it's been when I wrestled in Mexico City it was one of the funnest things that I, I did. I definitely the fans get really into it and um, and they interact. And I mean, I'm a Spanish speaker, so it was like really easy to mess with them. And then um, the couple of occasions that I worked there, especially in Nacion, I was heel. Easy, easy. I didn't have to do nothing, just stuff crap. It was so much fun. Um, and then here, it all depends also too on on the state that you're working at. How, uh, like, it's, it's like if you're working Tennessee, you're not going to work a super, like, Lucha show kind of style match because they like, you know, other style of wrestling. So you, you got to keep it very simple and then very to, like, the style of the, like, I like to, like, adapt because it's challenging because you always have to come up with something new. It's not, you can use a lot of your moveset that you never use in this place and then you go to the next, the next place and you use other moves that you don't use in this place because they don't, they're not into that. So, for me, it's like it's a challenge, and it's it's cool because you see what what one little thing that you do that you think is like simple and nobody cares is like oh my god, that was the greatest thing in the you know in the entire world. So, yeah, yeah. And I had uh, Vinny Massaro on here, uh, also Lucha Underground person, and uh, he mentioned he was like, "Oh, the greatest feeling ever is when you just do a suplex and they pop because you know it's going to be an easy night." You're like, "Oh, that's great. It's fantastic." Yeah. I mean, there was one match I did for Jerry Lawler's 50th anniversary, and I literally did lock up, head like headlock, takedown, wrestle, 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 arm drag, arm drag, drop kick, and then we brawl, and it was like, yeah, these bitches are crazy, this is great, and I was like, yep, this was easy, it was great, it was entertaining. And uh, in Mexico, did you get any uh, blowback from any other luchadors about the fact that you didn't train in Mexico? No, they were actually very respectful. All the ladies okay. that I, they were very respectful. Like, I know a lot of girls that come from America, they get a lot of flag or they being mistreated. But I always come with a very humble mentality. I'm in their territory. And um, I was like, hey, was this, is there something you like to do or what do you want to work on? And like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I like I said, I always, and I speak Spanish too. I'm Mexican, so. And I never come like, I live in the United States and, you know, I'm Thunder Rosa and I'm on my channel. Okay? That, that doesn't mean jack crap to them. Mm-hmm. If they, they're they're going to beat your ass in the ring. It, I mean, we put the stuff down and then you get in the ring and they change everything. So you got to be ready for everything. When you're, let's speaking of Lucha Underground, uh, let's jump into that a little bit. Uh, so you get in there and you get this crash course on television, basically, which is, amazing for a career. I mean, it's scary, but at the same time, it's amazing career wise. Cause you know, you always hear like 
indie wrestlers. They make it to TV and they're like, oh, they're doesn't look like they're ready for TV, but you immediately TV. And it's like, that's amazing. So how does that, there you go. Well, how does that um, affect you though, mentally? Like you're going in there like, oh crap, I'm going to be on television. This is insane. Bro, like the first match, I thought I was going to do a dark match. And they're like, no, it's going to be on TV. And I'm just like, with Ricky Marvin from everybody, with Ricky Marvin, who's a veteran from like 20 years. And, and he had to put me over. So it was rough. <laughs> I can't watch them. It, they're rough to me. They're rough. Like I was so green, but not wrestling the second season, which was season three and developing the character was the best thing I could have ever done because it really gave me time to work on the gimmick, work on my personal development as a professional wrestler and really feel the character in a way. Unfortunately, the last season was very sucky. Nobody watched it. But um, I mean, I'm, I'm very proud for what I accomplished there for the little time that I was there. I, I My goal was to get over without wrestling. And I feel like Coverman got over without wrestling. Uh, Drago was amazing to work with. And then when I had Pindar and uh, Luchasaurus or Vivora in Lucha Underground, it was really fun because I, I was able to act. I, I love acting. Like theater was one of the things I enjoyed doing when I was in high school. So for me, that was like the easy part. And I took some like, uh, was it acting for TV and film in college? So that kind of helped a little bit. The only thing I had a lot of issues with was my accent. They actually had to like change words because I could not pronounce them for life of me. So, uh, but doing podcasts is actually helping me a lot. Because I have to work on how I pronounce my words. I still speak super fast, but uh, but yeah. But I, I was really proud of what I did, and I, like I said, I was that really helped me in the future for future bookings to be ready for TV. Because now it's just like it's so easy. I've been doing it for so for five years. And uh, you mentioned wrestling Ricky Marvin and everything. Intergender wrestling is something that a lot of people like to argue about. I love intergender wrestling. I think if the match works, the match works. To me, it's all good. Um, but, you know, it's not something that, you know, impacts doing it. But as far as like AEW still hasn't pulled the trigger on it yet. Uh, they haven't really done that normally. Do you think it's going to be something that we could see in WWE or AEW at any it, point? It's hard. I mean, um, mainstream is kind of hard for people to like digest it. I mean, especially if it's realistic, because people want to believe it's real. Right. And uh, they don't want to feel uncomfortable when uh, a man is giving heat to a woman because of the whole uh argument of domestic violence and etc 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 so i don't know i mean it might happen it might not um in the indies you know that's been happening for for year for like a hundred years i if you you know go back to like 1930s with mildred burke she used to wrestle men in, in carnivals so it's been happening for a long long time but Again, everything that is mainstream, it's it's all uh, connected to people who are in power and their personal beliefs. Yeah, when I had uh, Ruby Rays on here, she was like, you know, you basically have to learn intergender wrestling when you're a female wrestler because there's like one female student for every 20 men. So you have to, when you start out, you basically, you're intergender wrestling. That's not something you choose to do. You just do it because otherwise you're not going to work. And it's, and so it's kind of tough on the indies. It is the same with uh, with professional fighting, man. There's times and where I'm the only woman, and I'm like 
sparring with dudes all the time that are bigger than I am, but that's how it is. This is how the business is, the fighting in, in, in professional wrestling. There's not a lot of women. And how did uh, doing professional fighting uh, change your opinion at all of professional wrestling? Well, I have a lot more respect for what I do, like way more, because it's very hard to find people that are into disciplines at the same time that are so uh, taxing on your body. And it really gave me a, a perspective of taking care of this. This is my moneymaker. This is what brings me to the coolest place in the world. So I got to take care of it. And that means when I'm in the ring, I have to be careful and I have to take care of my opponent. Yes, I am very strong style type of wrestler, but I am not, I'm not with the mentality. like, we're going to do all these spots, brother. All these crazy spots because we're going to get over. I just want to pop people. I wouldn't even have a crowd. I don't, I just need to one spot and that's it. You know, tell a good story. And, and, and that's it. That's how you draw people to, to watch professional wrestling. Make it so realistic that they're like, oh, shit, like she can beat her ass or he can beat her ass. I mean, I've seen some matches and they're so like hard hitting and they're so like the story's so good. I'm drawn to them um, when there's so many different spots and people are not selling. I'm kind of like, is this thing almost over? It's super cool to see like acrobatics. I don't get me wrong. I love it. If I could do it, I will do it, too. But for me, it's it's that the whole going back to psychology, psychology, telling a story. What are we doing? What for? What's the purpose? Um, and even now, when I watch my matches, I get mad when I'm like, man, I didn't sell for her. Man, she didn't sell for me. All this that I, all this thing that I've been doing all this time, like it's wasted. There's nothing, right? So it's it's so important because that's how you make the other your opponent look good when you sell for them and when you tell that story. That's struggle. You know, I've, I have never really thought about this till right now till you mentioned that. But so when you're doing stuff like TV, NWA or anything like that, where you have a time limit specifically, do you get like a little, oh, shoot, should I be selling this long because I only have a specific amount of time on television as opposed to like an indie match where you're kind of like it's a little more, you know, fluid as far as you can hang, hang around a little bit more. You can sell a little bit more because you can kind of feel out the match. But like TV time is, you know, you got commercial breaks. Got to make sure there's not specific action during the commercial break, all that stuff. So does that ever play into your mind at all? Oh, yeah, all the time. I mean, sometimes you just you have all this stuff planned and then boom. Oh, you guys, you have three minutes. You got to take it home now. So there ain't no time to sell. You just go and what you need, what you need to do. And so super interesting. Last time I did a primetime live. Um, uh, our agent was like, make sure, I, I know you guys have 30 minutes, but if anything happened, if there's an earthquake or like something changes, you guys have to come up with a alternate finish. If we cook, if we pull the trigger, you guys have one minute to do the finish now. What are you going to do? So it's like, oh my God, yes. So it's, those are the little things that a lot of people don't really think about when they're putting their matches together. Wow. Yeah, I never thought about that. I, I was wondered because- you know, anything can go wrong in a match. And sometimes you see stuff go wrong in a match and you feel like, oh, they definitely didn't have a plan. <laughs> but, you know, I guess sometimes you do, so. Yeah, and that's why working, learning how to work is so important. I think a lot of schools nowadays, they're not teaching their students how to work, how to talk to, uh, talk to a person and how to do one thing or the other while you guys are in the ring or while you guys are on TV. Things happen all the time accidents happen all the time and it's so sad when i see some of my friends or peers that get hurt 
and they're just like there and nobody's really doing anything to take them out and keep them safe. And they just keep going, 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 going. And it's, like, it's really sad. Like sometimes you have to change things and you have to think on your feet. Yeah. Uh, so when when you got into uh, doing all, all Elite Wrestling and AEW, they did a tremendous job of hyping you to an audience that might not be familiar. They did a great video package. They they really like set you up like to be like, hey, this is, you know, this is this person. She's a big deal. We haven't seen her before, but she is. So when you're going into that, are you still, before you see the video package, all that, how nervous are you that, you know, oh, they're, they're a big company. They might just try to bury me. They might just try to, you know, what, what's what's your thought? I came in saying, I was born ready for this, baby. I was born ready. I was ready for this. Like, like I was telling my husband, I was just like, man, no matter what, no, he like grilled my ass. I remember actually. He was like, you better not shed the bed. <laughs> he was like, this, you have one chance. One chance, Melissa. It's going to be probably a pre-match before the match. Or they're just going to send you straight to all out. If you shit the bed, you're done. They're not going to bring you back. I don't care how, how hype you are, how much, you know, they say you're this, you're that. If you're coming and you're just whack, ain't nobody going to give a shit about you. And that's it. That's it, Thunder Rosa. That is Sport Thunder Rosa. That's it. We got to work even harder. So I just came in and I was like, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this. And then the doubt starts like crippling in. I'm like, oh man, shit. What if like this happened? What if this happened? What if they cut our time? What if like whatever, right? Then I'm like calling Trevor Murdoch. Hey, hey Murdoch, I need you to like pump me up, man. You're a badass bitch. You already know what to do. And I was like, all right, all right. And then I call my husband. Hey, man, like, what do I do? It's like, just go there and just have fun on it. And then that's what I did. And like, it just remember all the struggles and everything. I'm like, you have to own this. Nobody else is going to do it but yourself. And then when I got there, I just got in. I already know how like work the cameras. I know camera one is here. Camera two is here. Main cam is over there. Talk to the main cam. Talk to shit to this one. Talk to shit to the other one. Get in. Do my little flip. You know, do my thing. There you go. I don't need to do anything else. I already have the crowd. I was like, who is this Thunder Rosa chick, man? She looks so badass. Like she, like one comment that one fan made not long ago, he sent me a DM. It was, he said, I was drawn to you not only because your face pain or like how you enter is because there's some, there's a type of honesty in your face that you don't see that very often in female wrestlers. They're, so they're very gimmicky and very fake, but you are, you are the real deal. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, you know, I, I really like characters that are, you know, uh, elevated versions of the real person, you know, just turn yourself up to 11 and that's the character you see. Uh, you know, like The Rock is, he's Dwayne Johnson. He's just turned up, you know. So do you feel like that? that is what Thunder Rosa is? Thunder Rosa is Melissa turned up to 11? Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. And do you think uh, you, you mentioned the pressure of, you know, jumping on the TV and you felt it a little bit before you got, you know, you, you've got, you got the feedback from your your friends to, t- to pump you up. Do you feel like you work better under pressure? Some, yes. What am I going to say? Oh, sometimes, no, yes. I've done everything, like all big things in my life have been under pressure. Coming to the United States, going to like high school, going to college, going to UC Berkeley, not knowing, like knowing how to write, you know, <laughs> or like speak well. Uh, living on my own with my husband with no family, it's under pressure. You got to make it or you're going to be homeless. Uh, when I got hired in Lucha Underground, no experience. You got to make it happen. 
when I jump into MMA pro with no amateur experience whatsoever and very little training. Yeah. You know, just got to do what you got to do, man. It's like those are the cards that I was, that were deal for me. And I can't be like, oh my God, I can't do it. Like, I can't. I have no time to feel sorry for myself. Is there, bitch, you got it. Okay, let's go. I, I ain't no turning back. I'm like, oh, what if? Like, there's no what ifs. You just go and do it. Yeah. And do you, do you feel like that kind of attitude, you know, in wrestling, especially, it helps you out a lot because there's, it's one of those times, wrestling's one of those things. It's like uh, being in the movies or, or, you know, anything like that, where your opportunity comes around once in a while and you have to make sure you're ready for those opportunities when they come. So where else in life has that kind of attitude really helped you where you're like, I got to be ready whenever I'm called to be able to do something. I used to work as a counselor. So when the kids pop, you either get popped or, or you, you know, react. So we have to like restrain the kids. So when they were showing certain things, you got to be ready. You either got to be ready to deescalate them by talking or deescalating it physically. So it was like, that, ooh, ooh, like you were always like, ooh, ooh, you ready to like jump when things were popping. So definitely that, that helped me to be on my feet and like really think about uh, quick solutions. Let me get this. This is going to die. And I don't want it to die. And we're like in the middle of the conversation. No worries. Uh, yeah, so that really helped me to realize that you got to think on your feet and you got to think quick because things can happen really soon and some, somebody getting hurt. What age kids are these? Uh, they were between the ages of 12 and 18. Okay. Yeah, my sister is a uh, school psychologist at a high school, so she's uh, she's had some stories as far as, you know, people yeah, act up. They were, they were something else. I love them all. I have... Lately, I've been thinking about a lot of them. Like, I'm thinking, like, do they have kids now? How old are they? They get married? Are they in prison? Like, you guys, you think about all this stuff, right? Especially now, how the Bay Area is so sad. Um, how, especially for people that are like a low income, how how bad is becoming for a lot of people like them, and it just breaks my heart. Yeah, speaking of the Bay Area, you spend a good amount of time up here. How do you look at it as far as as wrestling goes? Because for me. I always thought the Bay Area was like an unsung thing of pro wrestling. We had such great, you know, stars that were in the making in the early 2000s when the boom started happening. But, you know, SoCal gets a lot of credit. Uh, a lot of places in the East Coast get a lot of credit, but not really in Northern California. What was your experience like in the Bay Area? And then once you branched out, how did you look at it after that? A black hole. <laughs> it was a black hole. If you get if you get stuck in California, I'm just not talking about the Bay Area. I'm talking about mm -hmm. California. You're done. It's really hard to get out. It's really, really hard. And you have to get out. Because if you don't, you're going to be wrestling the same 10 people in Northern, Southern, and Super Southern. It's just, you have to get out. And um, I mean, now with the COVID, it's like there's almost nothing in California, right? Yeah. Everything is popping in the East Coast and in the Midwest. And, and that's what people are like, like watching on, 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 on streaming. And there were like really cool stuff happening in SoCal. But even then when you're in NorCal and you don't have like a, 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 a car or like people are not going to fly you, you have to drive a long, long time. And if you have a full-time job, it becomes really, really difficult. Like a lot of my, my trainers, a lot of my friends, that was like the main issue, like not having the time to be able to drive all the way to SoCal to be seen by some people then drive back because they have to work on Mondays. It was, it was a, 
it was rough. So I remember like my husband and I, one time we had the grady, the grandiest idea to wrestle in LA. And then the next day, which was a Sunday to wrestle in Mexicali. That was a 14 hour drive, not counting crossing the border. Mm. So we were making those like 15, 16 hour drives. And then let's talk about politics in Narcal, dude, too. Like if you do certain stuff and you did something to something, you are already blackballed from there. So you're never going to work there. Uh, I mean, a lot of people like I'm not specifically talking about myself, but a lot of like I'm going to give a perfect example. It's like Sammy Guevara got a lot of heat because he did his thing and he worked for him. And people are like, that, that muffle didn't pay dues, woo, 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 whatever. He's an AEW. He's he's booked. He's 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 making a big time. He's making good money. Like, where are you at? You know, mm-hmm. the same when I first started, like, well, she's she didn't pay her dues. She's going all these places, blah, 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 blah. With, 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 I'm sorry. Let, let me stop it right there. I'm doing all the work. I'm doing all the driving. I'm taking all the bumps. I'm calling all the people. My husband and I, we're, we're a team. We do things together. It happens that when you knock on somebody's door, somebody will open that door. And when they open that door, I'm going to go and jump on it. Like when I got um, when I got signed to Lucha Underground, very interestingly, a lot of people, lots of people, never forget. People were hating big time, super big time. Again, she's so green. She doesn't deserve it. Woo, woo, woo. And I'm at the end, I'm like, huh. but I'm the one who has the contract. So I'm going to work my ass off to show absolutely everybody why they picked me and why I deserve to be here. And that's been always my, my mantra. When I get an opportunity, I always outwork work everybody because I'm gonna show the world why in the world, they, first of all, they call me La Mera Mera for a reason. It's not a gimmick. That shit is real. Even the post office people, the clerks, they were like, La Mera Mera is here. When I come in, like, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's not a gimmick, bro. It's a way of living. I'm a boss because I work my ass off. And I help other people too. And I'm not envious of other people's success. I want them to succeed. I want them to get out of their, their comfort zone. And I want them to fly to go to New York, to go to Florida, to go and do like tryouts because it's only going to make us better. If she goes and trains and works with other people that are better than her, when she comes and wrestles me, she's going to have better matches than I do. Why in the world am I going to be like, bro, what the fuck, man? Bitch, like, no. Like, go and do your thing, girl. Go and do your thing. You, you two, I, my, I, all my boys, I tell the same thing. Because they're like, hey, Mel, what should I do, man? Like, I don't know what to do. And I said, first of all, you need to get out of that area that you are. Dissociate yourself with some of these people. Because you're never going to go anywhere. Because once you're associated with certain people, they're not going to give you jobs. And you know that because in, in NorCal, there's a lot of that. There was a lot of that. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. I mean, you you know. Oh yeah, I was I was there for when uh, Pro Wrestling Iron split off from All Pro Wrestling because uh, Roland gave the job of head trainer to Daniel Bryan instead of giving it to one of the workers from Pro Wrestling Iron, and it started a whole shitstorm where guys were blackballed from each other. They couldn't work each other's shows, and it's they're literally like fifteen minutes to drive away from each other, and <laughs> it was just it was insane. Yeah, it, it, I mean, I don't. But right now where we are right now in, in, in San Antonio, we're like really trying to create another atmosphere in terms of like, we want to help each other. If you're ready to work, you're going to work with us. We definitely got to work with you because we want to make sure that everybody, because we all go through this, like we're not getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars, bro. If we're lucky, we get paid hundreds. 
if we're lucky. And if mm. you have a, because you know, it was either a handshake and a hot dog and a soda if you were lucky. And sometimes, you know, you get paid $20, $50 for a long time. $50, I'm paying for my gas. I mean, let's keep it real. So we want to make sure that what we do is in a positive way. I I, I hated that part of wrestling. I, I really do. I and mean, I really never talk about that part. You brought it out of me, brother. Well, actually, my husband's politics. Um, but yeah, man, like that's like one of the things that I was, uh, I feel like that's the big ship on my shoulder that I had for a long time. Because even though I was having success, it was like I was having certain people coming and telling me in my face, like, oh, you think you're the shit. Oh, you think you think you're this and you think you're that. And I'm just like, okay, all right, fine. If that's what you think, watch me soar, baby girl. Watch me soar. And when I'm on top, all the roles that I know are coming up, I'm going to help them out. Because I'm not going to be that person that tried to put me down, to put all the girls down. Hell no. Hell no. That's a promise that my husband and I we made to each other. When we were making we're making it, even if we don't have a lot of money, but we have opportunities and we can share them with other people. Why not? It's all like I said, it's only gonna benefit the wrestling scene. Not me, the wrestling scene in general. Well, I think that's what that's the problem, especially in the indie scene where a lot of people don't seem to realize that, you know, rising tides raise all ships, you know, if, if, if the scene is strong all over, it's strong for you. Your company will do better business if other companies are doing well. No one does any good by trying to shut other people down. <laughs> it doesn't help anyone. So, no, it, yeah. It doesn't. So yeah, man, power to the people, baby. <laughs> and with that, the booker has run out. He said, it's time to take it home. So I have some questions here for you to finish off the podcast. I appreciate you being on, but we're going to go into the end here. What are some of your favorite road stories? Favorite road stories? Let's see. Oh, when we drove to Texas, we were, it was Shotzi, Heather Monroe, Joe Alonso, Joe Gonzo, sorry, Joe Alonso, Joe Gonzo. Who else am I missing? Holiday, my husband and I. That's a stacked card right there. Chatsy and Joe Gonzo slept the whole entire time. And it was a 20 minute, 22 hour um, drive one way. Then on the way back, everybody was going 95, 100. And I was the only one who got stopped and got a ticket. And I'm still paying for it. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, that was horrible. That was horrible. What was another good one? The endless trying to stay awake. Oh, the ones that you're like literally like smacking each other, uh, stopping every hour, again dying, um, or people forgetting their weed on on gas stations, and we have to drive an hour back. I was just like, oh my god, like oh the stupidest things ever. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, I usually used to have a lot of uh, trips with my husband. It was just him and I a lot of times just talking about the future and, and what we're going to do with professional wrestling. Yeah. yeah I had uh, I, I was driving back from Arizona one time and it was like a 12 or 13 hour drive. I forgot, but yeah, I, I had the window rolled down because I'm trying to stay my ass awake the whole time. And then people are waking up in the passenger seat going, oh, roll up the window. I'm like, do you want to fucking switch? Because <laughs> I need to stay awake, bro. <laughs> like, what the fuck? But yeah. Um, yeah. If not wrestling, what's your favorite thing to do creatively? Creatively? I read a lot. 
when I have time, I write. I write a lot on planes, man, because I am in a plane. Like when I get bored, I'm just like, I always carry a notebook. And there's this notebook that a friend of mine from Houston that passed away last year. I'm very sad about that. I just found out a couple months ago. He gave me this notebook and he has like a, a skull. And this, this notebook is magical, bro. I'm telling you. Every time I've written anything about things that I want to do in the future or ideas or anything, it has come true. It's crazy. I have a couple like pages left and I don't want to like, I don't want to use it, but um, mm-hmm. it's been very special. It's, this book has been with me for about three, three years now or something like that. And, and I just like written a lot of stories from like when I was in Japan, when I went to Mexico, uh, like, you know, the, the, the valleys and peaks and, and wrestling and, and, and my, my thoughts and my goals and everything. So I like to write and I like to like, um, I like to write letters to my fans. I get creative, like the little kids. There's one fan that I write. Actually, every airport that I go to that I haven't been, I send him a postcard. So, uh, yeah, he always gets postcards for me, which I don't think a lot of people do that anymore. I go to the post office. It's like, does anybody send postcards to people? And like, oh, you're the only one. Like, uh, okay. <laughs> What's your favorite move or hold that you don't use? I like to use the guillotine a lot. Cause that shit, like, if you get it, you get it there. You you choke, you choke a bitch for sure. <laughs> uh, what's the craziest fan interaction you've had? Craziest fan interaction. There is a fan in TJ man. He likes every single post I post for the last three years. I met him in TJ. He was like literally waiting for me outside of the hotel, and I was just like, this is intense. He brought like 20 pictures and I was just like, bro, you're not even going to pay for me. So that's not even okay. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, man, I love you. You're the best. And And I just want to like, I, you know, I tried to be nice, but it was just like, wow. Like people are like, they really follow you, man. Like it's crazy. Or at the time there's another one, uh, this fan, this is the first time meeting me. And he literally got on his knees and started crying. That's how excited he was. He was like, I am so excited to meet you, Thunder Rosa. And I'm just like, bro, get up, man. Don't do that. And I'm like, it's just like, I can't believe I'm meeting you. And he made this like little, uh, it's in the living room. I was going to show you. It's it's like a little, like a Power Ranger kind of thing. He like draw and everything. And then we like pose with it. And, and he's super nice. He's a super young, nice, really, really nice young boy. Did you see the uh, Wayne's World movies? I don't remember. I saw, I saw like the first one. So there's the part where they they we're not worthy, and he's like, "You're worthy, you're worthy, get up!" Like that's that's the scene you basically just had right there. Pretty much, man. Um, besides hurting you, what's the worst thing someone can do when you're working with them in a match? That's a really strong question that I have so much to say, but I'm gonna say no comment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no problem. Um, when's the last time you were legitimately surprised by a worker in the ring? Like people that I work with or people that I've seen? In- well, either like, you know, you didn't know too much about them. And once you saw them, once you worked with them, you're like, wow, they're amazing. I had no idea this person was this crisp, this good. Or, uh, it could be a chemistry thing. Like you never worked with them before. And then when you did, you were like, wow, everything's completely spot on. Perfect. Lacey Ryan, bro. Have you seen her work? Mm-hmm. She's fire, bro. She is fire. I don't know why people are not booking her even more. Like, 
I seen, I worked with her twice and ever like from the moment I was like, bro, where are you from, man? Like, <laughs> she's like tough and she hits hard. And I was like, ah, she just got better and better ever since she moved to Vegas. I see her stuff and I'm just like, oh, I want to be like you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Has a booker tried to stiff you on money? And if they have, what funny excuses have they given you? Oh, show them, she... the San Diego one. Oh my God, yes! In San Diego, man, um, a couple years ago, there's two shows in San Diego. The one, the best, th- th- this guy, like legit book, the best talent, African American talent in the United States. Big ass show. We're all excited. We're putting our match together. Then he comes with like two cops, and we're like, guys. Um, so uh, we didn't draw, so that means uh, we don't have any money to pay y'all. And we're all like, what do you got no money to pay y'all? Uh, and I was like, dude, listen, man, I run shows. How in the world you're not going to have money to pay your talent? Even if it's one person that comes here, you don't rely on ticket sales. Like, that's bullshit. And then um, Brody almost beat him up. Some other guy almost beat him up just because the police was there. Otherwise, he would have gotten beat up. That's one. Then the second one was we did this two day show in San Diego. Guys, notorious for not paying people. Um, we got paid half. And then the other one, he pulled uh, he pulled a holiday and I and be like, hey, girls, you know, I'm like struggling right now with money. Like, you know, my wife didn't pull enough money. Like we lost a lot of money. You know, we brought rain mysterio here and shit. And then Martin and then holiday is like, so are you going to pay me? Yes or no? We got an eight hour drive. At least we need our money for gas. Oh, man, I don't know. And he starts like, my heart hurts. Like, I'm going to have a heart attack. It's like, bro, we still have to drive nine hours. <laughs> Where's our money? You know, it's just like, um, did we get paid? Yeah. We got paid like a couple months after. But, um, but yeah, he used to give that. And I, I, I think some people never got paid. Wow. Yeah, you book. Oh, I booked Ray Mysterio. Did he get paid? Because oh. <laughs> in that case, everyone should be getting paid. No, I talked to uh, Scott Lost uh, from PWG on here, and now he's a full time comic book artist. And he even says, he's all, like, oh, when I do commissions, he's like, I ask for half up front. He's all, I should have done that when I was wrestling. It's like, shit. Yeah, like um, a lot of the times they'd be like, oh man, I'm short, or like, this and this and that and that. Like now it's like, well, because one, I'm with NWA. Like I don't go anywhere if they don't pay half of my stuff. And they need to pay for my airfare and they need to pay for my hotel. And uh, it's like, that's, it has to happen. Um, but man, so many times, man, like I was just, I didn't, I just wanted the opportunity. I didn't even know where I was going to sleep. And I ended up sleeping on people's floors, sofas, chairs, uh, cars i mean you name it man it, it was rough i mean being an entertainer a professional wrestler an actor an actress a singer a comedian when when you're starting is is rough is really rough and you just gotta like like i said you gotta pay your dues and sometimes like even when you're on top like i always say the story when the last season three of lucha under run i'm staying at the hilton and downtown la we're getting paid you know i stipend and we had fed and everything then the next day i have a booking in la i'm sleeping with my my tío and my tía in east la on the floor because mofo didn't even have money 70 bucks to split with me and and, and holiday for a booking for a hotel 
So it's like, but that's that's the grind, bro. Like you want it, you gotta do what you gotta do. And um, you know, right now I'm I'm blessed that I'm in a position where I'm I know I'm happy, but I I mean I always want more. But um, even with with me running Mission Pro Wrestling with my ladies, like I don't have the ladies sleeping on the floor. They all have a, a room to stay or Airbnb. Like I will never do that to any of the girls, man. Like that's, that's jacked up. I always ask, Hey, you need a room to stay? Yes. Okay. We'll, we'll accommodate you because that's the worst. I mean, after you're all beat up after all the traveling and everything, then you have to sleep on the floor. You got to figure it out where the heck you're going to sleep. Like, no, man, that's BS. Yeah. Uh, the other one, a lot of people have said on this podcast is I'll pay pal you later, or I'll get you next time. I'm like, okay. Man. <laughs> um, what's the best mistake you've made in wrestling? A mistake that ended up benefiting you later on? Man, that's a good question. Never ask. Nobody ever asked me that question. What's the best mistake? There's no mistakes in my career. Everything was supposed to happen for a reason. <laughs> what's the hardest you've laughed at an indie show? Probably when uh, when we were at Hood Slam. With Oldest again. There you go. That's a good one. Um You've been around, you've, you've been to different countries, different promotions, all that. What's the worst gimmick you've seen? Lord, worst gimmick. Shit, there's so many. There are so many. Which, which one? Jesus. I don't know, man. There's so many. I can't, I can't, I can't even tell you, man. There's. Uh, how about uh, anything overused gimmicks? Anything like that? Cowboys. Um, the big man strong and then when they give them head sisters they collapse because they're not strong for nothing <laughs> oh the girl that acts tough but she ain't nothing like <laughs> she's always like hey, hey, me too hard. that's another one i can't stand uh let's see what's another one um the cholo, the cholo gimmick that's overused i think um what else I think any, anything like super ethnic has been used, has been overused. Yeah, there's there's issues with that, especially because wrestling is always like a good 10 to 15 years behind uh, politically correct wise from the rest of the world. And like when sometimes they're like, you know, I, I, do I need to see an evil Arab person? I don't think I do. I think you could pick a different gimmick. Like that's especially when you look at the guy and you're like, this guy hasn't even seen a tanning bed. This guy's white as shit. How the hell is he Arab? <laughs> Any, and once again, you don't have to say any names, but any, quote, big names, former WWE, you know, bigger indies, any of that stuff, uh, you shared, a, you know, a card with that they acted like they were bigger than the show, rubbed you the wrong way. You were just like, oh, fuck this dude. Rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, there's a couple. There's a couple. But so far lately, they've been pretty nice. I was with um, the Boogeyman, and I really like the Boogeyman. He's... He's a smart dude, man. They really like, I, like the people lately that I've been uh, meeting, they've been really cool and like super down to earth. Maybe, you know, maybe because they kind of like notice that I'm like real and I'm just not trying to kiss their ass. And that's why they don't like, they don't try to bullshit me. Like when I met Animal a couple months ago before he passed away, dude, he was word, man. He was like the nicest man. And he just like talked to me for an hour about Japan and how much, how much money they used to make in Japan when he was tag team and stuff. And I was like, why we don't make that much money, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like super cool. Um, 
Yeah, I got what? to meet him at a C2E2. I was I was in Chicago for the AEW pay-per-view and it was the same weekend as C2E2. And Animal was at a booth with uh, Raven and Tommy Dreamer and I got to meet him then. I was stoked I got to meet him, at, you know, after horribly what happened to him, but yeah. Yeah, so like so far, like now, no, but I will say when I first started, like certain people I will do like seminars and stuff. Oh God. I was like, I paid this guy to tell me this shit. <laughs> like, one, yeah, one guy was like, "You are too uh too bland," and I'm like, "Dude, we're training. Like, I'm not gonna come with my face pain." It was just like, yeah, he he was just like not cool. And then finally, I like to end on this. This is the t- I call it the touchy feely question of the podcast. What is your pure joy in wrestling? Something that happens before, during, or after the match? When you hit, when it happens, you get the goosebumps. You're like, I fucking love this business. This is why I got into wrestling. When you work a spot and you know what people are like, this is awesome. And you're like, yeah, I knew it. Ooh. <laughs> it's like that. Or when I, um, either before matches, when I do like intermission or at the beginning of the shows, when little girls come dressed like me or with their face painted and they're like, I want to be a wrestler. I was like, oh, then Rose, I love you. Or they give me letters. Oh my God. That's like the cutest thing. I don't I always carry letters with me. This is like the cutest thing. They take their time to like draw and do these things and just like, and you're like somebody important in their life that they will write you something. You know, it's just like, oh man, I like most my, my Mexican American heart so much. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on. Please put yourself over. Where can people buy merch, uh, your website, any of that stuff? Do you still want me to put myself over even more? Of okay. course. I got you. Thunderosa.net. Uh, Get all your merchandise. If you want to Skype with me, just like I was talking to you, I can totally do it. Um, <laughs> I do videos and phone calls. I also do cameos. The cameos are really fun. Dragos and the cameos. Sometimes my son, when he's in a good mood, he'll be like speaking Spanish with me. So you'll love the videos that we will send for you. And Brian, when he ever let me record him, uh, then you can also find me on social media at Thunder Rosa 22 on November 6th. We have our mission for wrestling show called tournament out of hell. You can purchase tickets on missionprowrestling.net. You can also purchase custom matches on missionprowrestling.net if you like this custom matches and our all matches from our old show. They're all for sale, single and the whole show. And if you're not going to make it to the show, you can also watch it through titlematchnetwork.com. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You are very welcome. <laughs>